What's going on? Happy Tuesday, travel family. Point Noirians, welcome back to another broadcast from Point Noir, home of the Point Noir podcast, where we not only inspire but equip men of color to go out and see the world for themselves and hopefully experience growth and progress in their lives through travel. I think it's a pretty dope thing, so I'm so glad you're here with us for our 40th session of the Point Noir podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jerry the Third, a.k.a. Kimono Jack, and we're going to have another great time today. Now, before I introduce our special guest who's got his travel perspective and perspective on life to share with us, I want to share some reviews that we have been getting in because we could definitely use more of them. People love reading these things, and I thought it's about time I shared some on the air. So let's read this first one by J.O. Williams. Appreciate you, bro. And his review says, as a black man who loves to travel, it's great to see a budding community of like-minded people pursuing their journeys around the world. These stories are important, and I am happy to have discovered the podcast. Appreciate you, fam, and thank you for sharing that little bit of positive feedback. Everything has been positive on the show so far, so if you all listening right now have had a great experience, enjoy listening to the show, please share that so others can also be inspired and encouraged to at least check us out and see what we have going on, because we think these men who are sharing the stories have a lot of value. And of course, as always, we're trying to get more men interested in traveling, get them sponsored with their passports, just get them open to the idea. So every comment, I know it's a couple minutes out of your day. I would so appreciate it and others will too in ways that they probably haven't even imagined yet. So that all being said, leave us a review. Be honest. You know, I'll read it on the air too. I'd love to get a terrible review. Uh, Don't go shooting for that. You know, ain't no prizes for that, but I'll share that too. We're totally transparent here. So that all being said, let's introduce today's special guest in the next section. Joining us today at The Point as our special guest is Mike Malcolm. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at MikeGDeGod and follow his latest project, We Travel Food. So that's at We Travel Food on IG and the website is WeTravelFood.com. And yes, I said weed as in the marijuanas. So if that is not your jam or not your vibe, listen, I'm just going to let you know up front. We talk a lot about weed during the show. Uh, Mike is a traveler, a weed connoisseur, a businessman, a successful entrepreneur. And there's so much to his story. I think you'll get a lot out of it. And one of the coolest aspects about it is how his success in business and how he's just been open to travel has not only been kind of spurred by his mother from an early age, but he's also followed some of her business models reading contracts when he was a kid while she was working and traveling and just being a boss so if you're into black success stories around business this has a lot of that in that if you're into awesome food awesome travel and we we also have a lot of that in here too so it's a pretty diverse session i think you'll really enjoy it so as always grab your refreshing beverage of choice maybe add a little bit of greenery if that's your thing today it could be a vibe who knows Find your coziest, comfiest corner of a couch, curl up, and get ready to enjoy today's session. I'll see you on the flip side. Yo, what's going on, Mike? Thanks for joining us today at The Point. How you feeling today, bro? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm easy. I think we're both in comfortable situations right now. (laughs) Very. I'm feeling very comfortable right now, you know? (laughs) Right, man. I was looking forward to, uh, to this interview, man, because just engaging on IG, like your energy was super chill. I know we got a couple interests and I'm sitting here with my glass of gin. It's watered down, folks. So we're going to make it through this hour. But I know oh. you sitting up there twisting up. You good. 
Yes, sir. I got some uh, really pretty uh, purple haze that just rolled up. It's beautiful. You're going to see it real soon. <laughs> I can't wait, man. Let's get into it, bro. Let's talk about how you got into traveling, kind of where you're from in the States, too, right, right where you're from. So let's yeah, start from the beginning. How'd you get into adventuring, bro? Yeah, for sure. So uh, again, my name is Mike, Mike Malcolm. I'm from Chicago. How I actually started traveling was uh, my mom, she used to work for Amico Oil Company when I was a kid. She didn't work for them. She had her own business. She was a contractor and that kept her traveling. And then um, I used to go with her on like little trips during the summertime or whatever. And then uh, my aunt, she was stationed in Darmstadt, Germany. And so I went over there for when I was uh, like 12 years old for three weeks. And that really like blew my mind because I remember like I really wanted like some presents that year. My mom was like, nah, you going to Germany? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, nah, I want toys. You know what I'm saying? I want some video games. She was like, nah, you about to go to Europe. Right. She she gave you the gift that get, that keeps on giving. Yeah, she gave me that gift, man. And I really wasn't feeling it at the time, but you know, it it was what it was. But really that that's that opened my mind. Like that trip. I remember it very vividly only because I love to tell this story is because that I remember that year right before I went, we were learning something about Pompeii in Italy, mm-hmm. you know, the city of Pompeii yeah. that was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius, you know, and at the time I had never heard the story. I didn't care nothing about it. I remember being super bored in class, bro. A week later, I was standing in Pompeii. Yo, you know what I'm saying? I remember, wild, bro. bro, I was 12 years old, and it blew. That blew my mind. Like I was reading about (laughs) place, this super ancient place that had been destroyed by this volcano, and it was had something to do with it. Whatever it was, I was reading. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm standing there. You know what I'm saying? Like wow. So ever since then, like I always valued travel. Uh, You know, I traveled a little bit. That was my Europe, my first time in Europe. Um, and then on that trip, uh, we, me and my mom, we traveled like all around the, the uh, countries because, you know, their countries are like our states. You could go a lot of places just by bus, you know, and uh, other places just yeah. by ferry. So that was my younger travel. And then I uh, went to a couple places like in the tropics when I was older. But my real travel really didn't start until really like I'm so I'm 36. And my travel probably, I really didn't start prioritizing, taking my travel really serious until my 30th birthday. I always wanted to travel somewhere for my 30th birthday where I had never been and where I didn't speak the language. And Mm -hmm. that year, I just so happened to go to Costa Rica by myself. Okay. You know, fulfilled that lifelong dream. And then after that, I was just kind of like, I wanted to do it again. So, I mean, I went back to Paris again because I remember I was sick when I went to Paris when I was a kid with my mom. I always kind of really wanted to go back again. So I did that, you know, just just and just on from there, you know. So so let's take it back a little bit, because shout out to your mom working for Amco. I don't even know if they're still around, but I remember no, seeing those not. stations when I was a kid on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got bought by BP. Yeah. But I was not 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 uh, familiar. Um, Amco is an old uh, gas company. They got beat, uh, bought out by BP. Um, Amoco used to be Standard Oil, and then they got bought up. They got turned into Amoco, and then they got bought up by BP. I don't even know what they call themselves now. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. But I mean, big shout out to your mom for encouraging the travel. Uh, do any of the trips like domestically stand out for you as a kid? Like, because I mean, Chicago is rich in culture and heritage. You got a lot of dope stuff there. But was there ever a time you went on a trip with your mom and you're like, damn, we definitely don't have this back at home? Or, hey, I've never seen this before. 
Probably, yeah, probably. I mean, I remember going to the Redwood Forest, you know, as a kid and seeing the super crazy tall trees. We used to go either to California or Florida, and we we used to alternate every summer. So, oh, wow. yeah, and we did that. So I know, like, one thing I really took took out of everything really was as much as I love travel, I wouldn't probably encourage people to do it with their kids when they, like, really, really young. Like, because most of those okay. trips I know I went on, I don't remember any of it. I remember that trip when I was 12, you know what I mean? But those trips that I right. took from like 5 to 10, I don't remember any of that. But, you know, I know I went. You know, like I know I've been to a bunch of states. And that's what it mostly was. It was all domestic travel. I remember just enjoying just to, to just to travel. You know, it was it, at the time it was very kind of regular to me. You know, I guess I, I didn't realize how rare that was for people to travel until I got older. For sure. You know what I yeah. mean? So at the time, I can't say that anything was all that meaningful only because it was quite normal. But again, as I got like that one trip, though, it was that one trip in particular that that turned that light bulb. Yeah, I mean, that's real. And that's that's real transparency because it's easy to say to hype stuff up when you're older. But it's like if you didn't remember as a kid, you didn't. And uh, that's what kids got different interests. You know what I'm saying? They trying to figure out who they're going to hang out in the sandbox with. You yeah. know, and they trying to get toys for Christmas. Like, uh, meanwhile, you don't figure out the whole damn law of attraction at 12. Yeah. Looking at Pompeii in class and next week you there like, oh, oh shit, what I just do. That was, <laughs> that was super crazy. I promise you my heart stopped even at, a, at that young. <laughs> I recognized it like, oh, wow. You know? Oh, man. Yeah. You've been like, I'm so woke. So but like my mom would be like, Oh, remember that time we went to Seattle and do 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 you did this and you did that? I'm like, No, you know, <laughs> no, I don't remember. Right. Or you know? uh, oh, like she like I've probably been to Disneyland or Disney World. I've been to both of them at least four times. I probably only remember like one time, you know. Wow, so you was really out there getting it as a kid. And I'm curious, uh, did your mom ever you know, share any more context about why it was important that you travel? Or she, was she ever encouraging it for you as you grew up later in life? Like, was there like an uh, an agenda or an objective behind her bringing you on these trips? Man, my mom was a business, is, she, she's still here. My mom is a businesswoman and she's probably my biggest supporter. You know, me and her are real. So I'm the only child on my mom's side. I got brothers and sisters on my father's side, but um, my, mm-hmm. my mom raised me as a single mom. And because she traveled so much, I actually grew up at my grandmother's house with a house full of people. So even though my mom always made bank, but she hustled so hard that she was rarely there. So I I learned a lot of just business from her. And that's why I wanted to clarify, like, she didn't work for Amoco back in those days in the 80s. They worked together. Like, you know what I'm saying? She was a contractor with her own business. And I saw the contracts. Like, that's what she put on my head when I was young. She used to let me read the contracts that she signed. Like, bro, my mom, now this might be TMI, and it was in the 80s, but my mom was making, yeah. I remember one of the contracts, it was like 250 an hour. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, again, yes. she, she was an entrepreneur, so she had cost as well. But I just remember, like, I don't know how many hours that was for and how, you know, how long that was for, but I remember that dollar amount. It was like 250 an hour. We still trying to get to 250 an hour. Like, shout out to your mom. Shout out for... For black women doing business, getting it done, working with the big wigs rather than for them. I mean, that's that's a story in and of itself right there. Well, that's the type of stuff that my mom always put into me. So she always encouraged me to like travel and go to school and get a job and do, 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 do. But more than anything, she taught me that I could do really anything that I wanted to do. 
you know, and I, yeah. I saw that as a, as a young age. So even like the travel stuff, that was her because when she traveled, I grew up at my grandmother's house. I'm from 115th and last. And anybody know that? That's in Morgan Park in Chicago. It's not a terrible neighborhood, but it's a hood. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> right. It's not like a greeny green. I ain't trying to make it out to that, but it's a hood still. So, you know, a lot of the travel and stuff, my mom used to just want me to be out, keep me out of trouble and keep me, yeah. give me something to look forward to. So if I did right, we would go on a trip. So did you notice any differences between you and your peers as you, it, let's definitely talk about this trip when you were 12, when you went to Europe, to Germany. Did you notice some things different about your outlook in life, even at that young age compared to your peers? Did they think anything in the fact that you were traveling? Because I'm sure they had to know. Yeah, they knew. That's a good question. It's uh, so a bit loaded. Did they? Was there any difference? Yeah. Well, for one, I've always been able um, to bring my guys with me in the ways where I never felt like because I had some privilege that I had to flaunt it over anybody or I was any better. So I'm sure like, you know, like a lot of my guys, maybe they definitely knew about it. I'm sure they was a little bit envious, but we was all brothers, you know, and like right. I just... I just all brought it back home and just talk, talk to them about everything I saw. And you know what I'm saying? Like I do the same thing now, you know, like when I be traveling, I go all these different places. A lot of my guys ain't never been there. You know, so, so many of my homeboys don't even have passports even now, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And, um, yeah. But when I travel, it ain't a flex. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? And I guess that's mm-hmm. what I said little bit loaded question because maybe it's because it's been so long I'm like i'm still cool with a lot of the guys that i known for years since i was since i was 12 like a lot i'm still cool with a lot of my friends from the hood even though i don't live in the hood, you know but a lot of them they still good for me because i always been i always tried to at least be, be me and like i said anything i did it was never a flex it was like man i represent you like even now bro when i travel all over the world i always buy me a fresh white socks hat before i leave right right that's what's up that's real that's one my one ritual that I do. I don't do much, but I always travel with a brand new White Sox cap. So, because I always hear in, in the airport, Chicago, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and that question wasn't even uh, on the, really on a flex point, because you ain't that kind of cat. And maybe, maybe you were at 12, but I, I never <laughs> assumed that. Maybe even in terms of what you want to be in the future. I mean, sometimes travel has given me ideas for like, oh, wait a second, there's a brother or a sister out here in Bali just organizing trips for a living. Like, damn, I've never seen that at home. And just, you know, maybe you saw some stuff and and people didn't quite see the vision because they hadn't been there. I was asking about differences more like that. Yes and no, maybe, you know, I don't, I still don't like that. What you just, the example you gave, of course, that didn't exist back then when at such a young age, again, I'm 36. So, right. And like travel <laughs> blogging wasn't really that like, you know, the internet really was. Right. So, that wasn't the case. I definitely realized that it was a bigger world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That experience within itself let me know just so much stuff. You know what I mean? Just how even how people interacted. I, I remember a lady actually uh, came up to me at a um, when I was in Germany. Because I remember telling my mom, this lady told me that she hated the way that we got yeah. treated in America. Now, I was 12 years old when she said this stuff. You know, she asked right. the lady just struck up conversation with me and asked me where I was from. I really didn't even know. Even at that time, I didn't know what she was talking about. Right. What a what a big statement. 
Yeah, you know, but I remember going back and telling my mom, like, that was odd. You know what I'm saying? This lady told me she felt bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? So that's, right. it, it's, not, it's not such a straight line, like, oh, I just made those connections like that, or I just realized it was like a lot of little things that, again, flowed out over time. You know, me personally, I've always been just a curious, interested person. Like, I'm interested in all types of stuff that don't even have nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always was a reader. Right. I always did well in school. And so, you know, me, me thinking I could do whatever I want to do in business, that was kind of, I was on that wave anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was always kind of like, like, I like I always wanted to have my own business, but I always knew that I, I could work anywhere. And that, like, I was just interested in a lot of different stuff. So, you know, I always knew I was going to be doing something um, interesting. One thing I didn't realize, think I was going to be doing is what I actually ended up doing, which was real estate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also interesting now that you mention it is several of the guests that have been on the show some of the uh point noir alumni have been real involved in real estate and it's really interesting at least i can count four including yeah. you yeah man real estate is great so um my cousin who grew up with me at my um at my grandmother's house she she lived there as well she's five years older than me though we grew up like brother and sister we and to this day we're still really really close um and when i was 18 she started her uh real estate appraisal company and her uh, mm-hmm. her contract, her first contract was Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And my cousin, she's beautiful. Um, so she used to be afraid just going to these homes by herself. You know, so I used to go yeah. with her just to keep her company going into these board ups. And then after two or three homes, I was like, hey, you know, what are we looking for? And then that's how I started um, helping her. I went to um, Northern Illinois University uh, for two years after I graduated. So from 2002, I'm um, from 2000 to 2002. And then I um, would I was always help her when I came home from school. And then summer of 2002, we made so much money. I didn't go back to school. Smart man. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> and then I got the bag. I said, you know, forget this degree. I'm good. I got the paper, you know. Well, well, I did go back to school. It's funny. Like I said, life is just crazy. Right. So I. I didn't go back to school. I made a lot of money. But then I also saw the bubble that was happening in real estate. Okay. In 2006, I did go back to school. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Because I, right. I remember telling my cousin, like, look, this real estate stuff, uh, I think everybody's about to go to jail. Like, it's so crazy out here. You know what I mean? Real estate was like the wow, wow. It was like the drug game. Like, it was it was super crazy. And It was wild. The, oh, man. In like 2000, 2005, 2006, you know what I'm saying? 2002, four. We saw all type of crazy stuff. So, um, I was telling her, like, yeah, I think I want to go back to school and get a quote unquote real job, you know? Um, and so I did. I went back to school and got my degree in electrical engineering. And um, I worked in my field before I was working in my field before I even graduated. And I had a great job. But um, I got laid off three times in nine months because I graduated. I got I graduated in the fall of 2008, which was literally the fall of 2008. Yeah, like, yeah. Everything. The entire economy crashed. So. I kept getting hired, but then the con the people the contract that people hired me for, they would lose it, you know. So then I would get laid off. Yeah. So then finally I was like, man, never again. When I got laid off the last time, I knew it was gonna happen. And I told my cousin, and she was like, Man, if I wanted to come back, I could. And so I did. That was in 2009. And then in 2012, I by 2012, three years later, I had so much business, I kind of outgrew like the small mom and pop stuff we was doing and moved to another brokerage that could like better support me in my business. That's wild. 
Shout out to you for going through that. That's a whole, it's a whole lifetime movie right there, bro. That's bro, I'm telling you, bro. That's what I say. I'm trying to move through it fast, but this, that's what I said. It's a lot, you know. And I don't ever want. I tell people all the time, you know, how much time you got because I don't ever try to simplify anything yeah. of the stuff that I do. And so much that I do now, it feel like it comes natural. But that's just me learning along the way, you know. And so much got me to where I am now, you know. I said, I, I feel I was just, I took my niece out <laughs> for lunch the other day and she was like, you old. I was, that was the first time anybody ever said that, but she 18. Oh, so. Right. I'm double her age. You could be her dad. Yeah. But I love hearing it, man. I appreciate you being willing and, and open and transparent to share it because it's a, it's a black success story about a black man having success and really, like, as far as I'm concerned, you're just really getting started. And we'll talk about that on the flip side. But the thing is, we often have these pictures of success that are limited to just getting a college degree, just getting a job. Uh, forget, you know, quitting school, going back, finding these different ways to provide for yourself to have success. Like, I really think that more of the people that are going to make it are going to have career paths and experiences much more like yours, which are a little bit disjointed, but always growing throughout the process rather than you just going to school, going to college, getting a job and, you know, traveling when you're 60. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, most definitely. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't understand that mindset. Like what I know is travel involves a lot of walking. So (laughs) (laughs) I want all my original knees. I want all my original parts. Yeah, I, like me and my girl walked through Paris and it was like, man, lay down at the end of the night. I was like, could you imagine doing this? When you, you know what I mean? For the first time while you trying to climb up the type of the Arc de Triumph, you know, there ain't no elevator. There ain't no elevator. Yeah, you got to walk up. I've been there on the other side. I used to be a tour guide in Paris for about a year leading a Black Paris tour, a uh, history tour. Oh, that's dope. Hey. Oh, okay. Yeah, man, that was, but it was a lot of people. I mean, real distinguished in their careers. You're talking judges, superintendents, just you know, successful business people coming out and walking the streets of Paris with me for eight hours, my guy. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I could, I can imagine, I could definitely see that though. Yeah. I, I probably walked for eight hours, but <laughs> one of those days. <laughs> easy, bro. And I was just like, well, hats off to you, but um, you take it easy now. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go get rubbed down after. No, that's for sure. And that's good. That's good, though. You know, like I said, man, I, I always been kind of like just learning about different stuff. So again, I did well in school when I when I got my electrical engineering degrees because I like electronics. I've always been kind of like a techie or whatever. But that was the thing. Once I actually started working in my field, before I even got laid off the first time, I was I would tell my girl like, man, I hated my job. And yeah, man, it, it just it, it you know I remember thinking because it was a far suburbs. I had to get up super early and drive out, like, and then I would drive back home. I would be tired. I, you know, I wouldn't want to do nothing. I'm like, man, I would only be wanting to go out on the weekends. I'm like, man, this, man, is this really going to be my life? Like, I can't. But I was getting paid well. And so when they laid me off, they really did me a favor. Dude, there's there's so much opportunity for for people today. And uh, I think your story, just this little bit of it, will encourage some people to explore some things differently because shit's been sweet right now. But when stuff gets shaken up, man, go for go for your, not your dream. Go for what you what makes you happy, you know? Yeah. Or just pay attention to what I, what I, what I like to call it too, is, you know, um, just paying attention to what's going on around you and being aware of, of where you are and what's happening around you. 
you know, I always been really big on that. That's what I'm saying. I felt the, I felt everything that was coming in the real estate market, even though I didn't necessarily yeah. understand how deep it really was. Like I knew I should go and get a, uh, you know, I uh, try to get a job because the real estate stuff was going to crash. But what I didn't realize is it was going to take down the entire system with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you just right. got to be in. I think people just got to be open too, and like I said, just be open to opportunity. Yeah, and shout out to that curiosity and the the courage to do it. Um, but let's fast forward a little bit to when you made travel a priority. You mentioned your 30th birthday, going out to Costa Rica by yourself. What changed yeah. for you out of all the experience you done had, all the success you had? What changed at 30 that you said, I'm going to make travel uh, a priority and commit to it? Yeah, because I had met, um, when I went out there, I met a bunch of expats that mm-hmm. were living in, you know, in Costa Rica. And I and that was the first time I'd ever met anybody who did just that. Like, well, I, you know, I just... They, you know, some people, some of them actually did it for business reasons, but it was just, it was interesting to me that just the concept of just leaving for real, like, like, you know, you can leave, right? Because like, I, I don't know if I had that, even with the little bit of traveling I had done before. And again, I had been in Jamaica a few times before, before this um, 30th birthday, I had been to the Bahamas, I had been to Canada a couple of times, but, you know, I had never really started traveling, traveling. And um, that just that idea of like, man, people just really are you know, like that traveling with intention. You know what I mean? Or like, right. I, I think I, I probably met. I always meet. I'm sure you have as well. Traveling. I always meet Australian. <laughs> right. mm, I, rarely. Like, but yeah, it happens occasionally. Dude, I, I meet Australians everywhere I go. I'm like, bro, y'all are the most well-traveled. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be here for a week, and then I'm going here for a week. And then I'm wow. Here. I'm like, damn, like, how much vacation do y'all really have? You know, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's why I was like, man. And and so after that point, I became intentional. Another thing, my, my longtime girlfriend, I've been with her since we met in college. I told her, I think, you know, like, like let's start, let's start, start traveling for our birthdays at least you know yeah. let's start traveling for our birthdays at least so um uh i know we were making some moves in 2013 so we really started like 2014 was like 2012 was when i did my trip and that that is when i like it like kicked it off and then we didn't do anything 2013 but 2014 for my birthday we went to let me see oh 2014 yeah my birthday we went to paris let me see and i think for her birthday we went to Negril. 2015, we went to Qatar and uh, Bali. 2016, okay. we did Egypt. Uh, no, we did Mexico. We did Tulum, Mexico, and Egypt. I want to see that was the pyramid year. 2017, we did Cuba and South Africa, Cape Town. Okay. And then 2018, we did Colombia. We did uh, Cartagena, Colombia, and uh, what else we do? Oh, we did Tanzania and Zanzibar. I did some smaller trips as well in there. So like one of the things that I did, um, well, one of the things I've been doing is kind of like traveling out to different uh, marijuana spots, uh, like legal grows around the country and kind of like checking those out. That's what I did. I was doing a lot last year. So, yeah, man, I've just been intentional about all of it now. So, you know what? That brings up an interesting thing. So why don't we talk about what it is you do now around uh, the cannabis industry and let's talk about travel through the lens of checking out like dope weed. Like, can we talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So like, that's really what I've been super passionate about 
lately, I mean, I always have been known my guys, my homies will tell you, I was always like that guy that like had a lot of good weed or whoever. I was a super, I was super extra about it. Like I had stopped smoking blunts years ago. You know what I mean? I tell like, man, hold on. He's like, man, I don't want to smoke no blunts. I used to be a right. super snob about my weed. Um, so uh, one of my real estate clients, um, our, he got into the industry out in Colorado. And I remember mm-hmm. him telling about it, whatever, and kind of like telling me I got to come out there. And he was a really good client. We had done a lot of business. And we, we had actually smoked some weed together one time. And uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll come out there sometime. So, you know, every once in a while we would touch base. And so during this time, I'm also, uh, you know, I'm traveling with my girlfriend. And we always do like dinners, uh, me and her and I, because I'm always so busy. But on Friday and Saturday nights, we always do like a date night, you know, so we okay. always okay. go out. That's how that's how my Instagram got to what it is, because I was always posting the food because, I again, I'm in real estate. So I'm traveling around the city and I always I just eat wherever I'm close to. I, I'd rather do that than to eat at like McDonald's or McDonald's or, you know, Wendy's or something. I'd rather just eat at whatever the lo- local restaurant is. And, right. Um. I'm posting food pictures and then I'm traveling. So people had kind of been telling me for a long time to um, do like a, um, a food blog or do a travel blog. And I was like, uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. In Chicago, it's a lot of Chicago's filled with foodies. Chicago is definitely a foodie town. So for it's real. a lot of that already. And I kind of I, I wasn't sure about the travel space and like what that even meant. You know, I kind of I did everything on my own anyway. So I guess there was some value that but other than that you know i just didn't know what any of that meant so i, I really kind of put it off to the side and then i, I came up with the idea because people were kind of just telling me kept telling me about it and i said well what if i could do a legal marijuana food and travel blog mm-hmm. and so then i was like okay well again what does that mean so then i started researching weed blogs like who's doing a weed blog like what does that mean right. and so um i came across this article because i was thinking of maybe going out to california and doing some stuff I came across, I kept on coming across uh, these articles about Colorado and how that's mm-hmm. where the culture was. And I came across an article um, in GQ magazine that says Al Harrington wants to be NBA's next marijuana mogul. And I was like, huh? And as I'm reading about it and his company, Viola, I'm reading about it. And then um, it's in Colorado and he's talking about Colorado. So I'm thinking, again, that's where my guy is at. So um, I called my uh, my client and I said uh, his name is Adam. And I said, hey, um, hey, Adam, how's everything going out there? Like, are y'all in jail? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? What's, <laughs> what's up with Colorado? I haven't heard from you in a few months. You know, and he's like, oh, no. Uh, well, we got this huge facility, in, indoor facility in Colorado. We got a 40 acre farm outside of Portland, Oregon. We're in California doing stuff. We're in Michigan doing stuff. So I'm like, damn, bro, how are you? How are you moving so fast? Like, how? <laughs> How did that happen? You know? And yeah. he's like, oh, well, I don't know if I told you, but my partner is Al Harrington. Oh, damn. Now, bro, <laughs> no, no, you failed to mention bro, that, my guy. Bro, this is what I'll tell you. When he tells me this, I still have Al Harrington's picture on my computer. Bro, you, you, you the golden child out here, law of attraction. There's no bullshit. I, told, I said Adam. <laughs> I said Viola, Al Harrington. That's your fucking partner. He, he said, yeah. I said, bro, I'm reading about you right now. He's like, oh, you saw the GQ magazine article? I'm like, yeah. He's like, did you see the Viceland episode? I'm like, hell yeah. It, 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 it had a link to a Viceland episode. I'm like, yeah, I saw yeah. that. I'm like, that's why. I'm like, bro, that's why I'm calling you. So he was like, come out here. And so that was just last year around this time, matter of fact. Wow. So, because um, it was right before my birthday. My birthday is March 24th. 
And so this is right before my birthday. So, so I was like, okay. And then he was like, well, matter of fact, he was like, why don't you come out here for 420? He's like, that'd be cool. And you can probably get some real cool stuff. <laughs> right. I was like, okay, cool. So I went out there for 420. I took my mom, just to tell you how it all, it all comes full circle, bro. I used to go on with my mom on, on her business trips traveling. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And now she's coming with me on my business trip. You know what I'm saying? Going to see That's my clients. Because I'm, I'm telling my client, like, I, I think I want to do a weed blog. And he's like, dude, you can come here and take as many pictures and ask as many questions and do whatever you want. I'm like, oh, great. So I, I, again, so I took my mom out there, went out there for 420. Again, yeah, my mom doesn't smoke weed or even drink. She got that contact, though. Yeah, most definitely. And she's super cool. Like, my mom's super cool, bro. Like, I could smoke. I don't like smoking in front of her. But, like, we was walking down the street and she was like, you still got that joint from yesterday? She's like, don't fly back with that. You might as well smoke that right now while we walk to where we going. You know what I mean? Like, that was her telling me, like, don't try to bring that through the airport. Smoke it now. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, mom, you know, <laughs> like, she's cool like that, you know? So, um, so anyway, no, I took her out there. That shit was cool. But, um, one of my homeboys that was kind of encouraging me to, to do the site, I saw him when I came home and, um, he was, I told him I was going out there to Denver and he was like, how'd it go? And I told him, I said, it went well, but my pictures kind of stuck because I had just, I had just bought a real camera. I bought a Canon camera, a Canon 77D. I had bought yeah. that in January. Um, the only I had just got a chance to use that in uh, January of last year. I, I went to um, Cartagena, Colombia, and that was mm-hmm. my first time actually using my camera, a real camera on vacation, which is priceless to me, by the way. For anybody listening, like you got to get a real camera, like with a wide angle. Because like, again, <laughs> like going to Cape Town and not being able to capture the mountain because I didn't have a wide right. angle lens. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking, seriously. But um, anyway, so yeah, so um, I told my, my guy, I said, man, um, you know, my, my pictures, honestly, my pictures kind of suck. I, ha- I hate my pictures. And he was like, look, bro, uh, he had just quit his job, his corporate America job, just quit his corporate job. And he was doing his videography and photography full time. And he was like, man, if you get another opportunity like that, let me know and I'll just help. You know what I mean? You don't have to pay me nothing right now. We'll kind of figure it out later. So I was like, okay, cool. So when I was out there in Colorado, my guys had told me I should really go out to Portland in the fall and film their fall harvest. Mm. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's, you know, that sounds kind of dope. You know, I could, I could do that. So, um, I did, I went out there, I filmed, um, I, uh, I, I told my guys, <laughs> like I, I, I told my guy, I'm like, look, you know, we got this opportunity. And then I came up, I give, give you guys the game again, being transparent the way I thought of it was like, well, you know, I appreciate because because my guy has a guy like my cameraman has an assistant. Right. So it's, so now all of a sudden I have a crew. And so we're meeting before we go out there. And I told him, I said, look, I appreciate you guys like helping me with my blog. But really, this needs to be bigger than that. This needs to be about what we do like for real. So. You know, like we do advertising for cannabis companies, basically, because that's really that's really I see where a lot of the industry is going. You know, a lot of my yeah. friends asked me about, um, you know, how to get into the cannabis industry. And what I tell, tell them all the time is like, you don't have to grow and sell cannabis to be in the cannabis industry. For sure. You feel me? Like like people be so stuck up on like, oh, man, they're going to try to box us out. Well, man bob and weave to where you see that they're not looking at right so okay it's it might be hard for you to grow and sell cannabis but it's not hard for you to market it right like 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 figure out another way 
anyway, so that's why I said, like, you know, again, that, and again, we don't even really know what that means, right? We like just brainstorming, you know, again, smoking, you know, just kind of like figuring it out. Like, we're going to, that's going to be the move. Again, we're going to go out there. My blog is what's going to get us in the door, right? Because I'm doing this for my blog, right? Mm-hmm. But we also offer a service. Like, we will also photograph and video and make it super dope. So, Anyway, so so that's what we did. So, man, in last September, we went out there. We did uh, two days on uh, Viola's farm. So, again, the, I'm sorry. And I don't know if I clearly said the name of the company. The company is Viola. Viola Extracts. Cool name. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, based, they're based out of um, Colorado, but um, they're in Oregon and California and Michigan. And they're working on more states as well. Um, but, and again, it's Al Harrington's company. He's kind of like, obviously the name of the, he, he, uh, named it after his grandmother, but, um, you know, he's the face of the company and, you know, he, he promotes it, uh, really well. So, so take me back a bit. Let's talk about traveling and, and kind of weed culture in different areas you've been internationally yeah. besides the States. Yeah. So that's the thing, you know, you would be surprised all the travel I've done. I have not been to Amsterdam and it's almost like a crime, you wow. know? The funny thing is, I always, the only, I've traveled, you know, I've traveled to all those places I was saying before, but when I travel internationally, I never brought weed with me, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a cartridge. I didn't bring any flour. It, you know, I just put a cartridge. But um, I, I always was able to find weed where I was at. Like when I went to Cape Town, South Africa, yeah, it was really interesting. When, when I got off the plane, as soon as you walk through like the small little uh headway you know system that would lead you to the air the actual airport building there were police mm-hmm. there with dogs we had to put our carry-ons to the on the other side of the hallway and they had a dog walk past everybody's bag to like see if anybody had anything on wow and again this was when we were getting off the plane so obviously they were looking for like drugs I, I, I've never really been one to like travel with weed. I always could find it when I'm there. So, so how is weed culture a little bit different in different areas? Like, do you find that, you know, uh, besides the lingo being different, but you just find that people get down in different ways in different countries? Like, what are some differences? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like when I was in Egypt and they had me smoking hash, I was smoking hash with the uh, hashish with, the, um, with one of our tour guides, you know, and uh, one of the guys at the hotel. Really nice hotel too, you know. It was. Can you was break big. it down for the people so so they understand what hash oil is? Yeah. So <laughs> hashish. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, like hashish, and actually hashish. I'm actually not familiar with actually how it's made. I think they use pressure to make it. Hashish is one of the few ones that I actually don't know how it's made because you don't see that a lot in the states. That's more something overseas, especially in the Middle East. But it's just like right. a condensed. Uh, it's like concentrated marijuana. And you smoke it in a pipe. So, but it looks like, honestly, it looks like mud or like putty, like a brown putty. Mm-hmm. But it is very powerful and it's just a, a marijuana concentrate. Um, so, yeah, so I was smoking that there. Um, Bali is one of those places where you do not try to smoke weed. Now, it was a guy that told me that. <laughs> really? It's a weed. Well, again, a lot of the Asian countries, they take marijuana very serious, very serious. Oh, I know Singapore, what is it? Potential uh, death? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, and again, I haven't been there, but that's one of the places, you know, today, I wouldn't even, 
I don't even try. Now, again, you go somewhere like Jamaica, you know, they're trying to sell you weed before you even get out the airport. You know what I mean? Right. You go to, people always say, oh, Jamaican weed is garbage. You just have to know. This is all the tips. I know a lot of people go, <laughs> go, to, go, go to Jamaica, right? Right. If you go to Jamaica, number one, do not buy the first weed that you see. I usually, and this is really everywhere I travel. This, so this is my, my general method of getting weed when I travel places, right? I usually don't ask a cab driver or anyone that I'm going to see for a brief period of time. Mm-hmm. I have people that work at the hotel mm-hmm. because you they have a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if they right. see you in the wrong direction, <laughs> like, you right. know what I mean? Like, they got something you, to lose. They got some skin in the game. Yeah, exactly. And like, if they send you off, like, bro, I'm going to see you tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right, right. Am I going to see you or am I going to see you, my guy? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, so... Um, so no, so that's, so anyway, that's just my general rule of thumb. Um, really most other places. Okay. So this was the thing. Again, I was just in Tanzania and I did, I had my cartridge with me in Tanzania and it was so crazy because they was trying to sell me weed there. I was in Arusha, which is a, a town that you take, uh, when you want, before you do like the safaris on Tanzania, on the mainland of Tanzania, you go to a, a tour, a real tourist. Attraction. So it's a beautiful city. I loved Arusha. It's probably my favorite part of the entire trip was being in Arusha. I had been to Egypt before and I had been to South Africa, but Tanzania, Arusha was the first place where the people actually, like the women actually wore the African print. Mm. You know, so it was like really, you know, like, but it was, it was different from the States. The States, they always match from head to toe with the same print. And over there, they were mismatching col- colors and prints with yeah. different it was it man with the heads from the head to toe man it was it looked it, it was so it was real colorful you know what i mean it was beautiful i really really enjoyed it so that was that but um in tanzania and arusha they were trying to sell me some weed and it was some dirt weed. it was like super brown it just looked terrible but i let them hit my vape cart i let them hit my vape pen why'd you do that to them <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, bro because they had never seen one before and um, I was at a, I was actually at a market, you know, so it was a bunch of them and they was trying to sell me stuff and I bought some stuff, you know, but I was standing around talking as I bought a bunch of stuff. They was trying to get me to like buy some weed. I'm like, bro, y'all don't even understand. I showed them I have a, I got a, mar- I got a medical marijuana car. So yeah. I showed it to them. They couldn't believe it. They was calling me the witch doctor. They had eight. Uh, <laughs> I let them all hit the, I let a bunch of them hit the pen. Like it was, they was, they couldn't believe it. I made I feel like I made that day. They was super happy. Yeah. That fucked their head up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, like yeah. They, they didn't know. They was like, that's, you know, before they hit it, they was like, that marijuana? Like, it, weed, weed? I'm like, yeah. You know, they had never yeah. seen a baby. So, yeah, that kind of fucked them up. They was taking pictures with me. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Yeah, but that was kind of dope. Man, one of my, my favorite weed stories was just more of a domestic when I was trying to find some weed in, in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. um, this was, uh, years ago before um before they legalized it um i was out there with my girl and uh i was walking through san francisco and i was i actually googled it i remember i googled where to find weed and they said there's this area called hippie hill um i'm sure people familiar with san francisco know where that is that's like on ashbury street where all the hippies you know were known to get or whatever i went into hippie hill i told my girl to wait for me at a store i went to hippie hill and I uh, found a Rasta in the park. And I was like, yo, bro, you know, no, you got some weed. Like, he was smoking some weed. I'm like, yo, where the weed at? You know, he's like, oh, let me take you to her. And she had a whole bunch of like, it looked like hippies all around, like deadheads. They was just like kind of laid out on the grass all around her, right? right. Kind of like, 
And I'm like, her? He was like, yeah, bro, her. He was like, hey, take care of my man. She's like, come sit down, right? <laughs> bro, it's an old white lady. I come sit down with her. She opened up her bag. Bro, she had about 20 jars and like two duffel bags. <laughs> Oh, what, bro? It looked like now when I look at it, it looked like she had a mobile dispensary, bro. She did. <laughs> I feel to this day, I got something called blue cheese from her. I remember this. Yo, that was some of the best blood I have ever smoked to this day. And I bought mm. it from an old white lady in a park. In San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco, on my mama. Wow, bro. I mean, I think... I think uh, cannabis tourism or whatever fancy word they're going to come up with it. I think that's the thing, man. I think you you really at the forefront of something. And even when it comes to business, you're at the forefront of the industry. Being involved is something that excites a lot of us. I'm in Texas. So the way the laws work out here is going to be wild. But um, I think you're legal in Chicago, right? No, it's it's legal for medical. For medical, not for recreational. No, not for recreational. And uh, Chicago has some of the highest rules and like the highest... uh, requirements needed for you to be able to qualify too yeah it's super super high for them but you in you you gotta you got a foot on the board and i think that was one one of the other reasons i was interested in uh in talking to you just to kind of hear your stories because i mean this is a this is about to be a, a big thing you know people have been engaging for a long time but now you can create a, a legal business around it. i mean that's your that's your that's your site so on top of that bro what other uh, experiences have you had traveling that just kind of that kind of changed things for you that really maybe opened your eyes to something new? Maybe even in terms of just being a black man from Chicago, man. Did you have any experiences in Africa or just anywhere? You mentioned at 12, someone's like, I hate how <laughs> black people are treated in the States. But anything else like that that kind of resonated? A lot of different looks. So quickly, when I was in um, my first trip to Africa was Egypt. You know, because I wanted I wanted to see us and some of our greatness. I, you know, I, I didn't want to go to West Africa first and do the sad part of Africa. I didn't want that to be my first trip to Africa. You know, <laughs> I was like, I want to see us in some glory before they, I they make got it. PR issues. My guy, they got the PR issues. I bang with West Africa heavy. They yeah, got PR issues. And and I want to go this year. I want to go this year. Okay. I just know that there's a lot there. In the same way, I knew that it was a lot there when I went to Zanzibar. Zanzibar is no different, right? Zanzibar is very heavy on the slave. Um, you know mm. what I mean? But that's the history. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that changed me, one of the things that changed me in Africa, like going to Africa for the first time in Egypt, and I went down all the way to the south to Aswan and Nubia. Man, the people were so happy to see me or see us. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we were in Aswan for two days. And at first, I thought people, they were just going to be asking for money when they came up. But people were coming up to us and they were like, brother, brother, Nubian American, Nubian American, <laughs> welcome home. We, they would come up, shake, we be like, welcome home, welcome home, brother. Like, I was like, yo, they had me walking down the street, damn, they're about to cry, bro. All of us. Right. Mom, they were like, queen, queen, welcome home, queen Nefertari, queen Nefertari. Nubian American. Wow. Yeah, Nubian American. Yeah, brother. They would say, brother, brother brother our skin is the same so that was dope um probably one of the more re- more recent ones that was in 2016 the more recent one was just last year when i went to um cartagena colombia i went to palenque i'm san bastillo palenque have you heard of that i haven't but i'm about to go to uh, cartagena so i'm excited to hear about this oh bro yes so you're about to go to Cartagena, bro you have to go to san bastillo palenque so palenque 
is the first free city from European rule in all of both the Americas. Wow. Right? Not including the Caribbean? I want to say yes, because I know where you're going with that, with the Haiti thing. I'm just not, I would have to look at my timeline, but I believe, I know it is recognized as the first. Got you. Vibe with it, vibe with it. Don't let me fuck up the flow. Go with it, bro. <laughs> no, I welcome, you know, bro, you know, I welcome that. I'm not, I just want to be that. But again, it's one of those things that, again, if you pull it up, it will pop right up. You know what I'm saying? It okay. is first free city in all of the America for my mama. And it was founded by uh, black runaway slaves. Wow. And it's called Palenque. And it's still one of them. It was several cities. So there's one guy, Boris Viejo. He was um, captured. Obviously, that wasn't his name, but that's the name that they used for him. He was captured from Africa and brought to Cartagena. And he tried to escape several times. And on like the fifth or fourth or fifth time, he escaped with several people. And they ran into the mountains. And then they can't, went back and they helped other people escape. And this went on for a while to the point that they formed villages in the mountains called Palenques, right? Mm. And then they freed so many people that they was able to create armies, right? And they created really the first, really the first underground railroad. Like one of the things that they would do is they would actually braid maps in the hair of the guys and the women and send them back in and to be recaptured. And when they went wow. back with all the rest of the slaves, they would copy the maps in their head and see how to get away. And then they would all get away. Like this went on, bro, this went on for so long. So the uh, king of Spain, he was angry. So he sent the, the, um, his army into the mountains to try to fight. But the Africans, they had built a strong army. And good, uh, good military, even without having a lot of the, you know, obviously everything that they, uh, the Spaniards had. So after years of fighting, the king of Spain asked for a truce and said that they can be free if they agree to stop calling Boris Viejo their king. And if they uh, stop, um, the, stop helping fl- uh, slaves uh, get away. Um, and, and what they say? Uh, they agreed to that. Um, but they still helped the slaves get away. And the truce only lasted, I want to say, for like two or three years. But Boris Vieja was able to actually walk through the streets of Cartagena as a free man. Wow. Uh, before, before, before he actually did it foolishly, they say. I don't know what that actually means. But they say that he one day he walked in, I guess maybe without all his guards. He thought it was sweet. And then they smashed right. him up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He did it one too many times. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, he actually was able a few times to walk through the streets as a free man. Wow. Yeah, and that, and that and so that and that site they still teach the African languages and the African religions to this day. Yo, man, that that's so timely, bro. Yeah, that is that's timely. Along with Spanish and um, Christianity, you know, they teach that as well because Cartagena is a very Catholic. Uh, Christian Catholic uh, country. Yeah, anything the Spanish touch. Anything yeah. the Spanish touch. Well, Car- well, that was something else I didn't learn. Cartagena was actually the center of the Spanish Inquisition for 200 years. So for Ooh. 200 years, they burnt people alive, slaves, natives, and Europeans, if they were not only, not only Christian, but Catholic specific. They burnt you Catholics. alive. Yeah, there's a torture museum in Cartagena. Oof. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro, from the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> 
Yo, that travel is amazing, bro. Like, I didn't know all that. I didn't know all that. I didn't. I just wanted to get away that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I literally Googled. I had always I had never been to Columbia, but I had always wanted to go. And that day that I decided to go, I, I mean, that I decided to, to book a trip. I just Googled where who has the best weather. Right. What country, you know? And Columbia was top of the list. It's such a beautiful experience because, you know, now that I'm in the the black travel space a little bit, I see all these pictures from Cartagena, people posting up at at all the same damn places, right? Same picture with 50 different people. And I've never heard any of these stories. So I really appreciate you bringing that extra bit of detail because this might inspire somebody like myself even to go and see more, to ask more questions, be like, nah, there's supposed to be some history here. Don't give me the bullshit tours version. Like, show me the torture museum. Show me the ugly shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of that. Yeah, and that's right in the center of town, too. So, you know, yeah, it's all there. But yeah, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of people, they don't go that deep. You know what I mean? Like, I know people that have gone to Palenque and didn't really have any understanding of what they were seeing, you know, or why they were there. But they got cool pictures in front of that. There's a there's a lot of uh, street art in Palenque now. So there's like some really right. beautiful. Um, one of them is, it says, um, I love being black. Yep. You see that yeah. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's Palenque. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Palenque. Oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I know how to get there, man. I know how to get there. <laughs> yeah. Right in somebody's cornrows. We got it. Um. Yeah. All right. <laughs> exactly. Bro, it's deep. Like it's so deep. Yeah, and that's why I said I could have go deeper. I just, you know, again, I, I found out about it and then I read up on it. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, I didn't know that. You know, I went, I, I traveled so far. I've been in the States, but nobody ever told you, my, you know, my history teachers failed. Nobody told me it was still there today. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, bro. You right. Go there today. History, history is a joke the way it's taught, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm low-key proud of myself for the way that I've been selecting guests to be on the program because we just met for the first time in this conversation, but you struck me as somebody who's looking for a little bit more, who's got that curiosity, and you just exposed a whole bunch of people to something that they might not even know, and they've probably been to these cities. Yeah, man. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I have always been kind of like that person that just kind of, you know, like, you know, and I, I do attribute a lot of that to travel, but I always, you know talk to you about anything you know what I mean I know a lot about a lot you know that I'm familiar with a lot of different subjects so you know and that, I think that helps when you travel you know travel makes you a little more worldly you know and you can speak on different things because you've seen it you know or you um you know if you've got the ears to listen to other people tell you their stories the same thing you know a lot of wisdom come through comes through a lot of pain so if you got a somebody that can tell you some game give you some game and you listen to them you know you better pay attention to that and hopefully you can make that so that's always been my thing you know before we round out could you drop a little bit of wisdom for some of the brothers that might be listening other men of color uh, you know because we're not really represented a lot you know traveling like what would be the one thing you think that they could get out of traveling or even getting their passport the possibility to travel what do you think what would you share Number one is get out the country. That would be the number one thing is get out the country. I know a lot of my guys, that's not possible for some of my guys for a lot of different reasons. They got child support. They got, you know, felonies or whatever. So, you know, so that, that can be a hurdle. If that's the hurdle, I would say, you know, look at a lot. Go to, if you're going to do domestic, there's a lot of places that you could go that's not on the beaten path so much. Like people love, always think of like going to LA and stuff like that. But I love, again, I love San Francisco. I love going to San Diego. You know what I mean? Like those are 
really dope places and they're not ex- expensive it, and there's kind of even more stuff to do in those places than it is you know in LA but if if you can get your passport man getting your passport is so crazy because you can it might be a little bit more expensive on a plane ticket but if you do go somewhere like Asia like Bali like it's so much cheaper to do stuff there you know and you really get to see a whole nother way of life you know traveling when I was a, a young kid going even to Jamaica as, as a uh, when I was in high school and stuff, I, I remember like seeing the kids with no shoes or seeing like, like all of that had a profound impact on me, you know, it made me way more appreciative of what I have now. So I tell my guys now, like a lot of my, I got guys that would go to Vegas and spend ten, twenty thousand $20,000 in Vegas on the weekend. I'm like, bro, you know how many, you know what I mean? My trips. You say so, 20 racks? Yeah. Spend 20 racks. I know people that spend, spend 20 racks on loot, loss, basically 20 racks in the weekend. They ain't win. They lost 20 racks in a weekend, man. <laughs> like, bro, you know what I mean? You know what my trip could have been like? And even that, right? I just had a conversation with a guy in the ho- in the um, barbershop the other day who was telling me that he had to spend $15,000 to go to Dubai. And I said, bro, why you got to spend $20,000 to go to Dubai? He's like, man, that's how much it costs to go over there. I said, well, if you, like me, I went to Dubai when I went to Cape Town, but I just staggered my flight and I flew to Emirates. So... I don't, know, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm sure, sure you are. But if you fly a lot of these, uh, a lot of um, country of origins of uh, charter of their flights. Um, so like, again, the UAE, you fly their, their uh, fly, fly a carrier. God damn. My bad. It's the weed, bro. If you fly their carrier, <laughs> the UAE, if you fly the UAE's carrier, the Emirates, right, you can, you have a layover longer than eight hours. They will mm-hmm. give you a hotel free transportation from the airport to that hotel mm-hmm. trip and you will get to see dubai for free right you know what i mean like so that's what i did when i went to dubai i just made it so i had like a 16 hour layover right and then i got it so i arrived like you know sometime at, at night and then you know super late at night so i could take a nap get to the hotel take a short nap and then wake up and have pretty much a full day a whole day a whole day in dubai for free and then go and continue on my trip. You know, I did the same thing when I went to Qatar. So again, it's, it's ways that you can finagle things. You don't ha- always have to spend a crazy amount of money going places. Like you can go places fairly cheap. For sure, for sure. And you guys already know where to get these passports out from Men of Color. Actually, you might not know this, Mike. We sponsor a man of color to get his passport every uh, every single month. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, you did tell me that. Yeah, I saw that. That was real interesting. I was going to ask you more about it. Yeah, man, for sure. I appreciate that. And we're going to round things out. Now that we're rounding out, bro, tell us what you got coming up. What next trips? What next projects? You mentioned the blog a little bit. Tell us what you got going on, bro. Yeah, so again, my um, new venture, um, I launched my website, wetravelfood.com. So that's my new thing. I got my website going. I'm actually doing a blog right now. It's a lot of gallery, you know, so it's a lot of photos of my previous travel. But I do have some new, a lot of new content that I'm about to put out from my harvest of um, last fall with Viola's farm. And then some of the newer stuff that I'm doing right now, working with a couple of the companies here in Illinois on some of their um, stuff. I'm filming for some of them. And then I'm also looking to go out and shoot some more stuff in Viola. Yeah. So again, it's weedtravelfood.com. Um, you can follow me at Mike G to God, M-I-K-E-G-D-A-G-O-D. And mm-hmm. also my um, Instagram or wetravelfood.com is also live. And it's just that it's we travel food. 
and uh, at We Travel Food. Um, and so again, yeah, I, I just got a lot of content, bro. I just, I got, I, I'm still shooting a lot. I, a lot, I have a lot of restaurants here in Chicago asking me to shoot for them. Bro, we, we talked about this before we started, but we didn't even talk about the food on this thing. His food <laughs> history, I don't be, I don't be on IG to be gaining weight just looking at people's shit, but like his photos, they be taken so well that I literally drool and you had some, um, Bro, you had a uh, pimento cheese butter, honey, honey butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the on the chicken sandwich, dude. I was I was about to throw my phone across the room, bro. I was sick. That had to be delicious. Man, bro, the stuff, the, the food is super, super good. And, I, and thank you so much. I appreciate it. Really, that's the me taking the food pictures is what had people that and the travel pictures is what people was really asking me you know, to do the blog, you know, they were like, oh, you should, you know, do it. So it means a lot, man. It, it's, it's very encouraging me to keep going. And so, yeah, man. So, um, I, I post a lot of food pictures. I'm going to, I post a lot of marijuana pictures. I'm trying to, um, partner with a couple of companies so I can explain it better. One thing, one reason that I haven't posted as much marijuana as I really want to is only because I still post a lot of my stories, but I don't post a lot on my pages because Instagram will delete you. Yeah, for for marketing, you got you got to watch terms of service and stuff right now until it becomes a thing. You know, a little bit more socially acceptable. Uh, y'all marketing out there, y'all got to be careful. Yeah, that's okay. WeTravelFood dot com. It's gonna be all be there. You know, and then you know, on my Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm gonna show as much as I can. But um, yeah, everything will be on WeTravelFood dot com. My my trips, I actually don't know. I'm actually a really a last minute traveler. The Tanzania trip was probably the most advanced trip that I planned last year. And um, that was maybe a month and a half in advance. Portland, we did. We knew we were going to Portland, but the dates kept changing on us because it was a harvest and it was nature. It's so outdoor growth. So, you know, it like bounced around like crazy. That was, so we was kind of flexible on that. Um, but we're we're trying to figure out what um, where we're going to go right now. I was actually telling my girl that um, I really wanted to do something. My birthday is March 24th, but um, I think I might stay here to see out the launch of this site because I actually have a bunch of giveaways to give away. I'm giving away a bunch of gift cards. I partnered with a bunch of restaurants around Chicago. They gave me a bunch of gift cards to give to give away to people. Um, so I really want to kind of do that and maybe kind of hang out around the city and then uh, probably hit uh, maybe Amsterdam. And I'm definitely hitting Canada this year. I know that for sure. And actually, I got another buddy on the show, uh, Will Edmond, who just did a video talking about buying medicinal marijuana up there. So maybe y'all can link up. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, bro. But dude, thanks for uh, kicking it with us on the show, man. Fuck it, man. We ran long on this one, man. But it's, it's a lot of stuff, man. We learned a lot, travels all throughout it. But I think I think your story is a great one. I think people should definitely hop on and follow, follow you on IG. Just, just see what this looks like, because this is really some new wave shit. Like, really, really. Um, so proud of you for doing what you're doing, man. And thanks for spending the time to, to share all this with us, man. I hope to have you back on the show and I hope people follow because between weed, travel and food, uh, outside of sex, what more do you need? And that is definitely a bannable offense on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate that. You giving me the opportunity to share my story on your platform as well. I'm proud of you and everything that you're doing. Man, appreciate that. And if you got any homies that need passports that are eligible and you know what eligible is, you let me know, man. It's, it's, it's investing in men of color, man. So we're going to, we're going to rock. We're going to sign off. Happy early birthday in advance. And uh, we'll catch you next time, Mike. Okay. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. All right, man. Peace.
there you go mike g the god mike malcolm founder of wetravelfood.com hope you all check out what he's got going on indefinitely at least for the food pictures my goodness i literally drool when i check out my uh, my instagram feed and see some of his posts up there um but love the story thank you so much for your energy and time bro and i hope everybody listening got a ton of value out of that i think he's a great example of success modern success and success that's possible for everybody he took three of his passions three of his interests just combined them and now he's doing the only thing like it in the market what a dope thing and what an interesting perspective to see a man of color a black man having success in the budding cannabis industry i think that's super dope so no corny puns no corny ass jokes about weed and catching a contact just from listening to the interview like no this is a a changing reality in society in the states so we're just gonna have to get over it or learn to accept it, embrace it, you know, just lean into the experience. Um, so again, hopefully everybody got a ton of value out of that session. As we round out, wanted to remind everybody that we do sponsor a man of color every month to get his passport. So if you know one, if you are one, hit us up on IG. And if you don't have an Instagram or Twitter, or you just cannot get down with the socials, who knows what the situation is, shoot me an email personally at kimonojack at pointnoirshow.com so that's kimono jack k-i-m-o-n-o-j-a-c-k at pointnoirshow.com p-o-i-n-t-n-o-i-r-s-h-o-w.com got my real announcer voice you know when they have to talk real fast after car commercials for their liability disclaimers um so yeah shoot me a message i'll be sure to get back to you we really want to help you out so if you know somebody if you are somebody and of course you are somebody if you're listening right now hit us up if we can help when it comes to supporting you getting a passport that all being said hope to hear from you all next week as you tune into our 41st session of the point noir podcast stay well travel safely and i'll see you next time peace